Today's Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 31. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink, and so the body is made up of one part, so the, and the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? 
now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. Well, good morning. Let me have my welcome, if we've not met. Uh, my name's uh, Matt. I'm the uh, vicar here. And um, you join us. We're in a little series in 1 Corinthians. And we come to chapter 12, this familiar picture of uh, uh, the church as a body and uh, the different gifts that we have. Let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll look at this together. Our great God and Father, thank you for uh, how you have established your world and your church, and this picture now we have here of your people, this church and your church globally as a body, and of how we need one another. Father, help us to um, understand it. Not that that's too hard, I don't think, today, but help us to apply it. Father. So we are a church body which brings great delight to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen. Well, most of us will recognize, I guess, but our bodies, that they are, well, your body is a living miracle. I forget the details. I think it's 200 bones, 650 skeletal muscles. Are there other muscles? I don't know. Uh, 210 cell types. Correct me afterwards, doctors. But um, your body is a miracle. How many muscles, how many parts have you used already today? I don't know. Um, Lots, I think, is the answer. And it is quite easy to take parts of your body for granted when they work. Uh, It seems to me that the, the older you get... Uh, the less you take your body for granted because parts start to malfunction uh, a little bit. And so all of a sudden, uh, a tendon you've never heard of goes ping and uh, you care about it deeply. A a nerve you can't pronounce is inflamed and uh, that knocks you out for the rest of the week. So all of a sudden, all these these bits of our bodies that we didn't even know, couldn't even name, we thought were unimpressive, we get more appreciative of. The older we get, I think, we realize they really do all matter, all the bits. And of course, that should be the same at church. The more you grow as a Christian, the more you look around and appreciate one another and say, huh, we'd be so much less without them, without him, without her. I see it now. How obvious. Well, Paul is writing to a situation in Corinth where some are clearly thinking in the church, well, we don't fit in. This possibly isn't a place for us. And on the other hand, others are thinking, yeah, you don't fit in. You're unimportant. Uh, I mean, I don't, know what, I don't know what you do, to be honest, quite frankly. What does a left toe now do? I don't know. What do you do? I don't know what various people or parts of the body. We're the important ones. So Paul is writing into this sort of situation where how they're relating to one another is clearly malfunctioning. Now, um, if you are joining us, we, uh, we picked up um, after Christmas in chapter 11, really chapters 11 to 14, all about issues when the church gathers. Last time, it was mainly social divisions in the second half of chapter 11. Uh, here... Chapter 12 to 14 really are one block, and you get that indicated, chapter 12, verse 1, now about. That's how Paul introduces his response to lots of questions in the letter. They ask a question, ah, yes, let me come to that one, now about this. And um, 
uh, here it is again that they're, they're a church that's being molded by the world rather than the cross of Jesus. And, and this is just one presenting issue. If you've worked our way through the letter and how they treat one another in their sexual ethics, in their sort of uh, desire to compete and have heroes, it's very worldly. And just so when they gather and how they use their gifts. Now, we can get a bit distracted. The presenting issue for them then in first century Corinth in chapters 12 to 14 was that some were particularly proud and excited about the gift of tongues. Get there in a couple of weeks' time, more detail on it, but essentially speaking a language that well, no one else can understand. Uh, and that seemed supernatural and exotic and spiritual. And so there's sort of some competition in the church in Corinth. Who can do it the most? Who can do it the loudest? And of course, it's somewhat self-promotional. Everyone sort of starts standing up and, and shouting as loud as they can in a language that no one else understands. I mean, it's impressive, sort of, but it doesn't really do much for the church. But you don't want to get too distracted by that. This, the gift of tongues speaking in other languages, that was their issue then. And Paul says, just get over that. It's not very important. So you don't want to be hung up on that as an issue. Because it could be any gift that you get obsessed by. Maybe in, uh, can you imagine this, in, in 21st century London, in, in Mayfair, imagine all of a sudden we become a church which is just obsessed with the gift of barista. And really, that's the thing that matters. I mean, that's the thing that gets you status. And all of a sudden, all new gleaming chrome machines are installed, and everyone is frothing away and um, insists that the way that they press is far more impressive than the way that you press. And in the end, it's the Aussies and the Italians have a fight in the kitchen over <laughs> which race really makes the finest uh, coffee. And everyone else goes, well, I don't know. But, um, and then imagine in 200 years' time, people were reading the history of our little church here in Mayfair, and they said, baristas. They had so many baristas then. We don't even have baristas in the year 2220. We don't even drink coffee. Obviously, to be a really spiritual church, you have to have lots of coffee and really great baristas. No, 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 it was just a weirdness of the year 2020 when they got obsessed with making coffee. The presenting issue is how you treat one another and use your gifts. Don't obsess about the thing that they got wrong. And that's the same here. Paul would say to us today, don't obsess about the thing that they got wrong. I'm going to spend three chapters saying, don't value that gift very highly. It's just causing division. Others you should value more highly. So there's the principle. The principle really is that this, the one spirit, we look at this, the one spirit has given a variety of gifts to build the one church. And very practically, use your gifts and cherish the gifts of others. Really, that's the point of 1 Corinthians 12, use your gifts and cherish the gifts of others. The greatest gifts build the church of Christ. Use you what you've got and cherish the gifts that others have got.
It's like irony, I guess, uh, some will know, I mean, without going into detail, these chapters, chapters 12 to 14 of 1 Corinthians, they're a call for Christians to stop dividing over the gifts that they have. Ironically, these passages have caused great divisions themselves, I think, in the Christian church. What precisely is meant by the spiritual gifts? I think particularly in Christian unions and student days, people can get very, very uh, animated and excited about this. So when I first became a Christian, uh, I went to a church, and it was taught that every, if you become a Christian, every Christian had to speak in the gift of tongues, and if you didn't, you were deficient. And I didn't know much, but uh, I just observed that this caused real sadness amongst some. Of course, you read this chapter, and by the time you get to the end of it, chapter 12 and verse 30, would directly rebut that and say, no, no one gift is ubiquitous to every Christian. Of course, on the other hand, you get those, there are some churches, I presume, where you, you can walk in and suggest, actually, I've got a word of prophecy. And you may have wandered in and said, look, I've got coronavirus, do you want to kiss? Everyone goes, oh, 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 and gets sort of very sort of negative and critical and, well, how ironic. Because here's the chapters encouraging everyone to use their gifts to build the church, not to cause division. The one spirit gives a variety of gifts to build the one church, so use your gifts and cherish gifts of others. Let's work through it. So the, the, the metaphor is the body, and we're going to say three little things or summarize it in these ways. In the body of Christ, there's diversity and unity. That's Paul's main point. And then I have two specific comments on it. So don't say I'm not needed and don't say they're not needed. So in the body of Christ, there's diversity and unity, verses 1 to 14. Chapter 12, uh, 1 and 2. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Look, you've got no background in, in, in supernatural gifts. I, I, I know that. Look, verse 3. Here's the most basic truth you need to know about spiritual discernment. Verse 3. I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing magic about saying the words, Jesus is Lord. Anyone could say them. You could put them into a pop song. But in the first century context, to say Jesus is Lord means that Caesar is not. That's quite a strong political statement. So you just wouldn't say that publicly. And as God had done a work in your life, that you're willing to put Jesus first ahead of any political allegiance. But verses 4 and 5, variety is given by the one God. You see, you get the same sentence essentially three times. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So you've got these parallels, Spirit, Lord, God. So it's a trinity, because just as in God himself... There is unity, but variety of persons, spirit, Lord Jesus, God the Father. So it is in the church, there's a variety of gifts for the unity of the church. But also these words are paralleled, gifts, service, working. Because gifts are given to serve others, and gifts are at work. 
verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Every gift that you have is for others. So every, I think it's every, uh, every Tuesday morning, um, uh, Ali in the office will take delivery from um, uh, the catering company of 200 portions odd for food for um, the discipleship groups, which meet midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And um, as you can imagine, you turn up one, one week, midweek for, um, for a meal, midweek, uh, centrally here. And any food tonight? No. Well, why not? Well, Ali's kept it all for herself. Ali, what are you doing? I want 200 portions. You've got 200 portions of moussaka. What are you going to do with 200 portions of moussaka? They're mine. No, 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 no. You've taken delivery of these for everyone else. What is one person going to do with 200 portions of moussaka? It's not, it, what, how much aubergine can one person eat? This is, what are you doing? You've, de- you've been given them to distribute for others. Every one of us here as a Christian has been given gifts for the good of others. Or you might think of it, um, maybe down in an escape room, you know, the principle of escape rooms, have a minute, you know, half a dozen of you go in and you're locked in for an hour and there are all sorts of clues on the floor and on the wall and you have to find this piece of wood. If you put it together with that bit of wood, there's a code written on it. You enter the code, you open the cupboard, you get the next clue, etc. You get the principle and you get an hour to, to break out. Um, and everyone has to do their bit, and everyone sort of runs around the room. What have you got, and what have you got? And, oh, I don't know. I was reading in the week um, about a journalist who was just commenting she'd been to an escape room in half term, and they'd gone in, her and, it was her and her family, and another family, they'd gone in, and her eight-year-old had found this piece of wood on the floor and put it in his pocket. And so they're banging their heads on the, against the wall, and, you know, and eventually they just, can you give us a clue? And this would be, you know, there's a person sort of saying, well, you might ask your son over there, or you might ask him, what you, nothing, I know nothing, I found nothing. And so after, they had a very boring hour, and then, sorry, you failed. And then, well, yeah, I did have this sort of piece of wood with all these numbers written on it. But why, why did you keep it for yourself? I liked it. Now, did you not understand the principle of the game? Everything is needed, and we all bring what we've got, and we win. You hold on to what you've got just to yourself. It's boring, and we all lose. That was not a fun hour, was it? No, but I got my piece of wood, and I quite like it. And uh, she was just sort of saying, <laughs> kids, eh? Um, and Paul is saying, that's what you're doing. That's what some of you are doing. You're saying, yeah, well, I've got my gift, and I like it, and I, I don't want to use it for the common good. But, but you lose, and everyone loses if you do that. Your gifts are given for everyone to use together. How silly. To come to church and think, well, I have various gifts and talents, but they're mine. No, you've misunderstood When we gather as church, it's not simply a group of human beings who have a hobby or a God even in common. God himself is present with us and works in his people and through his people to build us up. 
if we do our part. Verses 8 to 11, you get a sample list. I don't think this is exhaustive. There are are some here. There's a slightly different list at the end of chapter 12, 16 different gifts here in chapter 12. Uh, Elsewhere, and there are other lists in the New Testament, particularly Romans 12, Ephesians 4. That will add another half dozen or so gifts. But I don't think the point in the New Testament is there are 20 gifts, Um, you know, like you're one of six personality types or something like that. It's not, it's just, these are typical of the sort of gifts that God gives. They're illustrative. You see, his main point is all these gifts come through the one spirit. So verse 8 To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by another of the same Spirit, to another by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. All these gifts come through the Spirit. Now, if you want me, I can, if you want to chat about what each individual gift referred to here means, look, you can ask me afterwards. I'm not going to go through them all. I spent quite a lot of time this week. I think possibly the most thorough commentary, uh, Anthony Thistleton, has over 50-odd pages going through in detail the different theories of what all these different gifts are. In the end, the conclusion is no one really knows. We don't really know what any of them are. No one is. What is the difference between a message of wisdom and a message of knowledge? No one knows. I mean, someone might have said, but there's there's no New Testament where you can deduce what the difference is, really. What's the difference between gifts of healing and the gift of miraculous powers? Again, not particularly obvious. But we're not meant to obsess about what they are. In fact, if there's one thing that is relevant about this list in Paul's argument, it's that verse 10, tongues and the interpretation of tongues, comes last. The gift that the Corinthians were getting really obsessed by comes last. Again, it's as if we were writing the history of our church, and in 2020, the gift of barista comes last. And in 100, 200 years' time, people say, what is this gift? It's, it's mentioned so many times in this sermon, the gift of barista, the gift of barista. He mentioned it over 550 times in one sermon. It must have been so important to them. no. No, it's not important. That's why it comes last in the list. The point is that the Spirit has given a variety to build the unity of the one church. Use your gifts. I mean, one other comment. Not all here are supernatural, I guess. By the time you get to um, uh, the second list in the chapter, verse 28, gifts of helping the gifts of guidance or or administration or leadership, perhaps. Again, what is the gift of helping? Well, I mean, it's it's helping. Yeah, but in what way? Is it some sort of special way? If we help move the chairs afterwards, is that the gift of helping? Probably. But you can't pin them down. There's a mixture of natural, supernatural. But the important principle as we work our way through this first section, is verse 11. Whatever gifts you've got, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Every gift 
God has said, I think you need this, and you need this, and you need this. And you can't, it's no good having gift envy. I want what they've got. No good having gift projection. Everyone should have what I've got. Because God has allocated them out. And it's only when you work together that you escape the escape room. It's only when you work together that you build the church. So he concludes this point in uh, verses 12 to 14. And you see again, uh, one and many, one and many, five times one, three times many. So verse 12, just as a body has, excuse me, just as a body though, one has many parts, but although it's many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For all baptized by one spirit to so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many, one and many. Every church is one and many. You're united into one, you have many gifts to build the one. That's the point. In the body of Christ, there's diversity and unity. There's diversity of gifts to build the one church. That's his point, really, but then he pushes it in two particular ways. First, then, verses 15 to 20. So look, in the body of Christ, don't say, I'm not needed. So here's a word to those who feel on, or felt on the margins of church life. Do I have anything to offer? Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, oh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, oh, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. We don't want everyone the same, says Paul. And then he goes for this sort of somewhat grotesque comic image. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? It's like a, this monster. Can you imagine this, this monstrous eyeball just floating around in church? So a six-foot eyeball floats around. And you say, oh, hello, Mr. Eyeball. How's your week been? And he just goes... <laughs> Fortunately, someone says, I know Morse code. And he's saying in Morse code, I don't know what you're saying. Can we communicate just by winking at one another? And you think, wouldn't it be easier, Mr. Eyeball, if you had some ears and a mouth? And he just floats off out the door. I mean, that's his picture, isn't it? It's absurd. If the whole body were an eye, how ridiculous would that be? Be useless. Apart from a cheeky wink. Otherwise, hopeless. And so Paul is saying, look, well, so, okay, great. There you are with, I don't know, the gift of guidance strategy, verse 28. Great. But if that's all there is, hopeless. It's no good you there just thinking, well, here I am, I've got the gift of guidance, but really what I want is I want to be a barista. That's, that's all I want in life is to be a barista or, or maybe a, a, a teacher. No, but you've got this gift and the church needs this gift. The church would be hopeless if it just had teachers. Nothing would ever happen. There'd be no admin, no helping. If no one had the gift of helping, nothing's going to actually function. Verse 18, 
God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. It's the same point as verse 11. He's distributed them just as he determines. God doesn't make mistakes. You have a crucial role to play. Person that you are, gifts that you have. You might sit here and think, I've got not a lot, not a lot to offer, really. But if you're part of the church family here, no, we need you, I need you, and you need me, and you need us. Perhaps I can broaden this out a little bit from those, um, from just those who feel they have nothing to offer. Because most people in central London think they've got quite a lot to offer, to be honest. But some would think, yeah, I've got gifts, but they're not required here because the church, it functions fine. Or worse, people think, oh, I just can't be bothered. But most of the time, I think people think, well, I'm just not needed because everything happens, it's fine. I mean, I come, but, you know, I don't need to really do much. Now, look, God has given you gifts that this church family needs. He's brought you to this church in order to contribute to the body. You might think, yeah, but look, I observe this human body and it's running, it's fine, and I'm a toe, and it seems to be functioning fine. Yeah, but, but if, if, if a foot doesn't have toes, it can run, but it's sort of all wibbly-wobbly, it's sort of all off balance, it's all unstable. Paul said, yeah, it might function okay, but it would function better if you got involved. That's his point. Every part is needed. Verse 18, God has placed the parts of the body just where they're needed to be. So I don't know, very practically, let me just take a few groups. If you're here and you're a student, please don't just turn up. Where are you serving? Many are magnificent. I don't think the kids' work would function on a Sunday morning. Sound, music, those of you students who give up a couple of hours in the week to help in the office, fantastic. But everyone should be contributing something. Families, please don't just turn up. You've got to ask, where are you serving? Again, many are wonderful. Small kids still manage to get in 90 minutes before church to uh, be involved in, in music or, or something else or set something else up for kids' work. Wonderful, wonderful. Lots of people manage it. Where are you involved? Perhaps you're only here for a short period of time. I don't know, just move from overseas for a year or two. Please just don't turn up. I often think of, um, it's a few years ago, a couple, Ash and Heidi. They, uh, they arrived, they flew in and um, got a flight from, uh, from Australia. They, came on, they landed on the Saturday. They came here to church on the Sunday. They joined a small group on Wednesday. They were helping out at International Cafe on the Friday. I saw them the second week. I said, oh, are you, you here? They said, yeah. Well, how long have you been in London? A week. Oh, great. Yeah, but we were here last week and we've joined a small group and we were at International Cafe on Friday night. I said, that's amazing. I said, well, we're only here for a year. We don't want to waste our time. And you think, oh, you've understood. You want to be involved in the body. Wonderful. What an enormous blessing. So look, in the body of Christ, don't say I'm not needed, verses 15 to 20. But then look, those who are confident, uh, secondly, verses 21 to 26, don't say, well, they're not needed. 
We don't need them. Verse uh, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Now, it seems in Corinth that there were a group then, probably the similar that thought themselves to be the social elite in chapter 11, probably the most wealthy sort of leaders in society. They thought, well, we run the church. We're the sort of core of church. And, and you others, well, you just, you can stay over there. But we don't need you. It seems that that's the, what's going on. Now, there's lots of different language used in these verses, but I think just best to allow words to interpret one another so the weak are the less honorable, are the unpresentable, I think. There are some parts of our body which are weak. I mean, an eyelash is quite weak. You don't use it to do your heavy lifting, but they're useful. They protect the eyes. But Paul is saying, look, don't be childish. Don't just prize the things that are really obvious and say, well, we don't really need the others. Because God grants honor to those who lack it. Don't ignore the unpresentable parts, less impressive, weaker parts. In practical terms, don't get really excited by just people who are loud in church, people who have demonstrable gifts. People are up front in some way. Look, be impressed like God is with those who, well, who serve behind the scenes, who pray, who give, who visit the sick, who help people move, who take food around to new parents, who meet up and comfort those who are struggling. Be impressed. You may not see it all. But don't just cherish things that are impressive up front. You can imagine, that, um, again, uh, this sort of Paul's picture language, the head the head saying, well, to be honest, I am impressive. I mean, let's be honest, I've got all the senses. They're all here. I, I, I see, I smell, I taste, I hear, I touch. I've got them all. Now, bladder, what are you? You're just a big bag of dirty water. I mean, let's be honest, I'm a head. You're a bag of dirty water. There ain't no comparison. I am more impressive than you. Yeah, well, uh, until you get a bladder infection. And then, Mr. Head, you'll know about it because you'll be in pain or you can even go a little bit doolally um, and a little bit mad and start seeing things and uh, then you'll know about it. You know, value the bits that you don't see because they all contribute and without them, you're sunk, Mr. Head. You know, God has arranged things this way also, verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, well, every part rejoices with it. It's worth, not right now, but when we finish formally meeting, you just have a look around the room and think, that's my body. You're my body. If you hurt, I hurt. If you flourish, I flourish. 
you're my body. If you suffer, I lose. A church which has only got just a few gifts would shrivel up and die. We need them all. We need them all. And so what are we to do? Well, in the end, verse 27, value every part. Because every part is needed. Verse 27, now you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And each one of you is valued and necessary and important for the church to grow. Oh, look, there's a variety of gifts, verse 28. Oh, look, these rhetorical questions of verse 29. Are all apostles, prophets, teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, speak? No, 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 no. No, no gift is common to everyone. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. Yeah, he'll go on to explain that in the next couple of chapters. The greater gifts are the ones that build the church. Or as he finishes, verse 31. Oh, and yet I'll show you the most excellent way. And next time we come to really the, the heart of the letter of 1 Corinthians. Because you, know, you can leave aside talk of gifts. Just focus upon loving one another. And if your concern is to love one another, as he describes, chapter 13, verse 4, patience, kind, not envying, not boasting, not proud, not dishonoring, not self-seeking, not easily anchored, not keeping no record of wrongs, well, then you'll use your gifts to serve others, to build the church of God up. In the end, he'll say in chapter 13, love. Really, it just looks like Jesus. What a relief that he didn't say, yeah, I'm quite gifted, you know, and um, I'm just going to use my gifts for me. What a wonder that he said, yeah, I, I am the source of all that is good. I am the source of all gifts, and I use them for you. The one spirit gives a variety of gifts to build the one church. So use your gifts and cherish the gifts of others. So I guess the questions for you and I as we leave are, how are you using your gifts to serve the church body? And when did you last express your thanks? When did you last esteem others who use their gifts to build the church? Because I need you and you need me. Let's pray together. Our great God and Father, we recognize that in your wisdom, this is how you have established your church as a group of people who need one another. How horribly ugly if we were just a disembodied eye floating around, or just a hand, or just an ear. But Father, this picture of the body, how extraordinary the human body is in its complexity, in its need of all our different parts to function well. And so Father, here this morning, would we recognize our need of others? Would we not 
seek to function on our own, would we not ignore the contribution others make? Would we not think that we have got nothing to offer? But Father, would we use our gifts, would we cherish the gifts of others, we pray, so that your body is built up for the honour of your name. Amen.